0: Hey y'all, it's Danielle, and welcome to episode 36 of Ain't No Free Lunch. Tykeen and I scale way out today and talk international politics and eventually scale it back down to statewide issues. We talk the continuing ban on travelers from the United States by the European Union, the Russian military placing bounties on U.S. troops in Afghanistan, and finally discuss the lightning rod that is D.C. statehood. Global perspectives are so important, and we encourage everyone to keep an eye out on the small and the big. Everything's all connected, y'all. All All right, let's eat. We love... Indeed, we are. Indeed, we are. We're back in the W R I R ninety seven point three FM studio. I think it really made a difference in our last podcast. You think? Yeah. Well, I mean, at least my parents told me it made a difference.
1: <laughs> so, uh, what does that mean?
0: I mean, I don't live here, so I'm gonna do. I'm going try. But first I, of
1: all, first of all, where do you vote, Danielle?
0: I vote in Virginia.
1: Okay, so you live in Virginia.
0: Okay, but the vast majority of my time that I spend is in California. I am a Virginian, but I live in California.
1: So you temporarily reside in California, exactly. But, but your permanent so, residence is Virginia. So you live in Virginia. Okay, words matter.
0: Anyway, what does also matter is I'm, I don't spend the most of my time in Virginia, which means that I can't just hop in the studio with you whenever I feel like it. Catch but a we're gonna, we're gonna make it as we're gonna make the best of it. Is, is what I got to say. So while I'm here.
1: Stanford shouldn't be going back to school anyway.
0: Stanford is going back to school. um, because, Hopefully virtually. <laughs> uh, graduate students are already moving back onto campus. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. There's just like a lot. There's so many different facets that come from like every which way, all of these decisions.
1: What's Stanford's endowment? Uh,
0: I think it's like twenty. 20- point like 24 26 billion dollars but they keep sending us emails like they ain't got no money so i mean it is what it is
1: so are in-person classes over at thanksgiving
0: yeah they're over at thanksgiving but i'm done with classes i i I finished my last class like i don't know like a month ago, maybe? Less than a month ago, I finished my last class. So I'm done with classes, so I don't have to go in. But I do have to be, like, in and around campus because my RA ships, my TA ships, all of that are still on campus.
1: Praise Mother, Father, God. <laughs> yeah, so not to trap there, but one time I heard, and there was this school of thought that was about God not being masculine. And so I heard this story about Mother, Father, God. Uh huh. And that's how, like, this school of thought, like, that's how they pray.
0: Well, Jesus is. I mean, people often say God is a black woman. So.
1: So yeah, sometimes that just comes out, mother, father, God.
0: Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, today, though, we're going to be talking about things that I think we've been. Last week was really good. It was a, a processing session that we really needed to happen. But this week, we kind when we were talking about like what we wanted to talk about, we decided to kind of make it more of a global perspective.
1: The whole world, Craig. The whole world.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's just really important. I think that with everything that's happening, you know, all eyes are on the U.S. And that's like... From a local standpoint, like, Richmond has eyes on Richmond, Virginia has eyes on Virginia, but then also we had, like, this national pandemic, which is an, actually an international pandemic, and so I think it's just really important that we don't allow our vision of what's happening to be but so small. I mean, thinking about this international pandemic, I don't know if a lot of people know, but, like... Europe is about to continue to ban U.S. travelers to Europe. So everybody's all like, after this is over, I'm flying here, I'm flying where. Sis, where are you going? You're not going nowhere. We're all banned. <laughs> We're banned. Our rates are through the roof. We are the epicenter of COVID-19 in the world. Just like, you know, people were stopping us. Well, we we decided to, quote, unquote, close our borders, right? People are closing their borders to us. When this starts to lift up elsewhere, we are going to be stuck here. Nobody is letting us in.
1: I mean, I don't know if this will be over. Like, I tweeted this weekend, so— Looking at this from, like, a local perspective, Virginia, we entered Phase 1 for Memorial Day weekend, right? Right, right, right. We'll be in Phase 3 for the 4th of July.
0: Yeah, it's next Wednesday, July 1st, I think, is when we we go straight to Phase 3. And
1: we'll be back in Phase 0 by Labor Day.
0: I I 100% believe it. I 100% believe it. And, like, the same time that Virginia is going to Phase 3 in July, July 1st, Europe is— allowing outsiders to begin entering again, like the European Union, on July 1st. But the U.S. is not going to be among those nations that are considered to enter. And Russia. Yeah. (laughs) U.S. and Russia, right? So, like, the acceptable countries include countries that are also a part of the EU, but then also they include countries like New Zealand where they've all but like done away with this. They're they're back to everyday life in New Zealand
1: right in now. In China?
0: <laughs> but China China is about to be allowed to, in, like, chi- like Chinese nationals are going to be allowed to enter the European Union countries as long as China reciprocates.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I have a friend that I went to college with, and she teaches in South Korea uh-huh. and she talked like she uh, she shared when she traveled back to South Korea, I guess it's been about 60 days ago now. She talked about like that experience and how she was called every day by a tracer mm-hmm. and like how they had to self isolate and like the precautions that they took. We didn't mirror those in America at
0: all, like not even a little bit.
1: And I think that contributes to to our rates constantly increasing while much of the world we see they see a decrease. And we can argue that they've had more preparation because they've dealt with some of these outbreaks. But a large part of this is just the incompetence. I knew
0: you were going to say incompetence. I could see it on your lips.
1: (laughs) And malfeasance (laughs) from uh, Donald J. Trump.
0: Yeah, I just it's. I just think that it's such a major thing that we are not being included on this list of countries that will be permitted to um, have travelers enter the European Union because we are such a huge part of their tourism boost. Like, it's the summer months, right? They know that people are fiending to get out of the house and really get away from here and all of it. And they're still locking it down and saying that we are not going—the United States is not going to be on the list, which is really funny that people— are lobbying like Pompeo and Pence are basically saying that they've talked to so many countries that are eager for Americans to visit, but we're doing this at the same time where the United States we banned European travelers in March and we still haven't lifted that ban.
1: Well actually I mean
0: Well actually <laughs> So
1: So there are a couple of exceptions, right? On people who can travel to Europe there are only a few.
0: Right. I mean it's it's very very few, but yeah. what what I'm saying is like Pence and Pompeo just kind of want the a free for all from the United States to the European Union whereas that's we don't even have a free for all for the European Union for members of the European Union to come to the United States. Yeah. We really think we're exceptional.
1: American exceptionalism like It's gross. I need to write a book about that. But nevertheless, <laughs> I'm curious to see, like, the economic impact that this travel ban will have on, on, like, airline industries. Oh, yeah. On the airline industry. And if that means we'll see another stimulus or bailout from the government.
0: You know, I'm really thinking, I've been thinking about that a lot. I listened to another podcast called The Daily from from The Atlantic. And obviously, these people get paid to do their jobs because their podcasts are very intricate. But they had these interviews with these people who had lost their jobs early March had no relief. You know, people are talking about selling their cars just to make ends meet. And I know if that's what, like, regu- regular people are having to do. But then also, you on the grand scale of things with airlines, so many of them depend on, especially the big ones, depend on the cost of international travel. And there it looks like with the way that as as our numbers continue to upswing, countries are not going to let people from the United States just come through because they feel like it anymore. We now pose a health risk to the rest of the world. So airlines can't cash in on that international travel. It's just not going to be a thing for a while.
1: So basically you're saying, and I want to make sure I get this right. Basically you're saying that being a, American— is a public health risk globally.
0: If, at this point, if I'm sitting it from another perspective of another country.
1: See what's on her mind.
0: <laughs> if I'm sitting from that perspective, right? The United States has net we have never flattened the curve. That has not been a thing, right?
1: Dr. Fauci said he hasn't talked t- he hasn't spoken to Trump in weeks.
0: I I mean, I'm not surprised. We the United States as a whole has never flattened the curve and then when we're getting to the point where okay maybe we're flattening the curve a little bit we reopen and i understand it there's that economic argument because i really do like there are people who who have lost jobs the economy has shrunk who can't get back To to have no hope for getting rehired again in a similar position, people are making more money on unemployment than when they were actually working. Like it's just, I know that it's crazy, but at the point where we were supposed to be really like buckling down is when we re released, and now you see Texas, you see Arizona, you see Florida, you see all of these states who have had to hit the brakes and be like, hold up, we about to start backtracking.
1: But let's not public health risk. But let's not forget that. Those states specifically open much earlier than oh yeah, than many others because they said, "Oh, like, we have to save these jobs, right and I, and and for me, we need the beaches open
0: <laughs> literally and that's what I'm saying, like if I'm another country, if I'm I don't know Algeria, South Korea, like do I want people from the United States who are out at bars and doing what have you coming to, to party in my country? a vacation with me where we've got it under control nah brah americans are reckless right now y'all gotta stay where y'all at
1: well actually <laughs> americans so have always been reckless <laughs> especially i mean being black in america is a public health risk oh
0: a 100 percent. like so it's ongoing it has never been a public health risk but what i'm saying is like are you let—I'm not—if I'm, if I'm in charge of keeping my population safe, am I going to put Americans on the list for people who have free entry into my country right now? No. That's a hell no. Period. Period. Period.
1: You gotta put the T on there. Period. Period.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, the European Union is going to let in people from Algeria, Australia, Canada— Country of Georgia. Oh, thank you for saying
1: country of Georgia. Because I was going to say, remember, Sarah Palin said Georgia.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Morocco, New Zealand, Rwanda, Serbia, South Korea, Thailand. Tunisia, Uruguay, San Marino, the Vatican, plus China. The major emissions from this list, if you want to know, are Brazil, because they're wilding in Brazil right now. The United States, because we're wilding in the United States and Russia. And I don't really know exactly what's happening. I know for a while Russia was keeping their numbers low, but I feel like they've skyrocketed.
1: I mean, birds of a feather.
0: I mean, speaking of birds of a feather, if if we're really looking at this from, like, an international level, like... One of the biggest headlines that's kind of popped out lately has been what's been happening with Russia. Do, 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 <laughs> do.
1: I mean, seriously, like so. For those of y'all who don't know, U.S. intelligence, U.S. intelligence concluded months ago that the Russian military intelligence offered bounties and money to de- to Taliban militants in Afghanistan as rewards if they killed U.S. or U.K. troops there amid peace talks, according to the New York Times on Friday.
0: Which is like this is a big deal, right? Like the U.S. intelligence, right? So we're talking about like this not hearsay. We ain't hear it from, you know, whose cousins and them. This is like people from within the United States who are charged with keeping us safe concluded months ago. I don't know how many months ago, but months ago. Plural. Yeah. <laughs> that. You got the Russian military intelligence actually like offering money to militants in Afghanistan as rewards like incentivizing the murder of US and like troops troops from the US and from the United Kingdom. If the intelligence community knows that, then who else also is supposed to know know something major like that?
1: And then you have to couple that with the Bolton book. Oh yeah. Which I received a copy of. Um,
0: a <laughs> very specific phrasing. <laughs>
1: um The Bolton books states that Trump has begged the Chinese government to guarantee a victory in twenty twenty.
0: Like, look at these bedfellows, dog. It's it's so telling. Like Bolsonaro, Putin, like, I just I, I I don't even know how to like come down on this, but like what's what's craziest to me is when the intelligence picks up on something big like this, it's run-of-the-mill. It is assumed. It is not even assumed. It's known that the president and the VP have to be briefed on something of this size, particularly because of the close relationship that Donald Trump is begging to have with Putin. But...
1: Her emails.
0: <laughs> exactly. Like, But, like, I, I'm thinking about the response to this in in regard to, like... You know, her emails, Benghazi. You know what I mean? The the relative silence from particular people, particular senators, particular like Congress people around this when all Who cares
1: so much about national security. Who
0: cares so much about national security And have, who
1: cares so much about about life. I'm pro life.
0: Right. And you just silence on the fact that people are being in our consent, (laughs) sorry, like is is, are being completely silent about the fact that we have bounties on our, our, our troops heads overseas. And the White House National Security Council basically said, you know, neither Trump nor Pence were briefed on this.
1: Listen, words matter, right? Uh huh. This is treason. Oh, yeah. Period.
0: If you, if this is, the, I don't understand how this is not something that, like, doesn't, I, I just, I don't, I, I just don't understand. I guess that's where I'm going to sit at. It's like, because the U.S. intelligence briefs, like the the U.S. intelligence said that they had held a meeting about it in late March with the White House, but somehow Trump and Pence don't know. No, they know. They did nothing about it and continue to tout a positive relationship with this government that is trying to murder US troops.
1: I didn't see a tweet about that.
0: Nothing at all, but he was real quick to, you know, tweet out the 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 faces of protesters saying they're going to get 10 years in jail. Trying to
1: make it a federal crime <laughs> to remove a statue? Like, are you kidding me, man? <laughs> I
0: just can't. It's so sad that it makes you like. But
1: but this laugh is the thing. Like you
0: don't want to cry. It's
1: more calculated than I think we give credit for. Right? Like, so we can say, oh, this is asinine. This is ludicrous. This is preposterous. Mm. But he's playing. Like he's revving up his base.
0: Oh, he is. But he's only revving up his base. How big is his base?
1: Have you forgotten 2016?
0: I do. I I, I have not forgotten 2016. I just, I don't know. I think I'm still being like, I want to be a pessimist, but like the little bit in me is like, (sighs) nah, people don't have dignity. People don't respect other people's humanity. You're right. You're right. Uh, They are. It's it's revving up his base.
1: He's revving up his base. Matter of fact, last Saturday, right, we watched... His speech. Yeah, we did. And I remember we exchanged some some text messages. So if you want to call it a speech, it looked like a flop to me in Tulsa. Right? It, was, it, it was
0: rightfully so. Good job, TikTokers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who said kids don't know anything about the elections and politics? <laughs> so, yeah, just like we talked about those recent uh, Supreme Court decisions about DACA and making uh, sexual identity a protected class, I told you I was like, Yes, these are wins and we should celebrate those things today. But I'm afraid that Trump now will like pivot and make immigration and marriage equality like he's going to place those things on the ballot in November. And regardless of of like all of his shortcomings and how trifling he is and how he Mm, stokes fear, Trump does a good job of setting the agenda. Whatever his agenda is, he kind of sets his agenda.
0: And what's crazy to me, though, is like he sets the agenda with no forethought. It's just like what he woke up that morning with and said, you know what? This is what I, I watched on Fox and Friends yesterday. This is what people been tweeting at me. This is the agenda now. And one of the things that I'm really worried about is I don't want people to get too cocky because right now you're getting all of those like headlines about how working class white women are turning against Trump and, and, and Biden summers are real high. We saw
1: this in 2016. We right?
0: know how people's memories work in election years. Not, nothing is nothing is nothing until November. And <laughs> like nothing.
1: Well, actually, actually, we should start early. Right. So as soon as those ballots come available, we need to work Ooh. like hell to get people to start voting. Oh, yeah. Immediately. Right. Oh, yeah. Like this isn't a get out the vote. 72 hours this year
0: no 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 no. this
1: will be like 90 days of getting out to vote but like, well, i'm pull up at the barbershop yo like y'all voted like come on let's you, go you like, got
0: to we all have to and like the thing that's really getting me is that but i just want people to know that just because his numbers are right here now means nothing come october means nothing come yeah, November because, because, because we, we had an
1: october surprise in 2016 i right? mean
0: all all homie ha- all that happens for me is just, like, he just – his constituents are very easily swayed one way or another. And I just – not his constituents, his his base, just people in general.
1: But, right. And then the other part of that is I think you have to remember, like, because of cancel culture, right, mm-hmm. how many people, unless you're just a diehard – there are a number of moderate voters who don't want to be ostracized because they're going to vote for Donald Trump. Right. So they will answer a poll and say that they're going to vote for Biden. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and
1: so, like, we call it, in Virginia politics, we call it the wilder effect.
0: Right. What does that mean?
1: Because no one wanted to say that they were going to vote against a black man for governor. Right. And so his poll numbers were much higher than the returns on the election day. Got it, got it, got it. And so Wilder always encouraged people to never, ever, like, he's like, don't pay attention to those polls because people will say one thing just because they don't want the perception of it to be that, like, I voted against a black man. I must be racist or I'm voting for a racist. I don't want to be called a racist for for voting for Donald Trump. So
0: No, I agree. I think that there are some people who are flipping, like Carly Fiorina. She was Ted Cruz's running mate. In 2016, for a short period of time, she voted for Trump in 2016, and and I that that was what I was waiting for because everyone's like she endorsed Biden she endorsed Biden. I'm like, does that matter? She endorsed Trump for in 2016 and has recently endorsed Biden. I'm not sure that it's saying and it's going to make a big deal on a grand scale, but some people's minds are being changed. It might be on a smaller scale, but it's happening.
1: I mean, this is the thing, like, and maybe we can have a conversation about this one day, but I'm not a huge fan. As a student of politics, I don't think endorsements are as important or as critical as people think. And I think people put a lot of stock into endorsements like, oh, I got this endorsement from such and such. On local elections, I think they matter more. Like town council, there are some folks who will, like, they kind of vote in a block. Like, oh, I trust your judgment. I don't follow politics. But on a national scale, there are very few voters that I've ever gone to their house and they said, I'm going to vote for this person. Like in 2016, I didn't hear anyone say I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton because she was endorsed by such and such.
0: No, I get what you're saying. I'm not saying that her endorsement is going to sway other people. I'm saying that her endorsement means that there are people who are changing their minds. And I mean, James Clyburn—he changed a whole bunch of minds in South Carolina.
1: So, so everybody isn't James Clyburn. I
0: know. I'm just saying. I'm Uh, just saying you can't discredit all endorsements.
1: I'm not discrediting all. I think a lot of those folks didn't have their mind made up. Mm -hmm. You know, like the returns was something like 57% of people voted for Biden. Like 57% of the people who voted for Biden said that they voted because of that endorsement. Yeah. But everybody's not Clyburn, And, you know, even like Colin Powell, right, General Powell, you know, he endorsed Biden within the past 90 days. Now 12 years ago when he endorsed Obama that was huge news and I think I think there were probably some people who said yeah you know this Republican general who's going to vote for Obama like respected
0: Republican general
1: Yes he was he was really respected I mean well he was kind of damaged goods at that point
0: though. Yeah he was but I'm saying in general like if you still had people who weren't as like adamantly against like the Iraq war and all of that stuff
1: Yeah so But how important are endorsements, right? Like Carly Fiorina, like this is what I tell people when I talk to them about endorsements. Personally, just saying that I'm going to endorse someone, doesn't mean anything. Does it come with money? Does it come with access to your network? Mm -hmm. So for me, saying an endorsement, like, okay, you know what? I will send out an email to my personal email list. I'll give you access to to donors or people that I know, right? Or I'll give you access. To, you can take over my Instagram for twenty four hours and post all you want and ask for donations. Yeah, she's or, not
0: doing all that. I am not saying that she's doing all that.
1: I mean, but that's what I think. I think we have to redefine what endorsements look like, especially for millennials and Gen Z.
0: Yeah, I think I think things are things are shifting. I just really want to know. Who's going to be in charge? Because I feel like D.C. is just (laughs) (laughs) like who's in charge in Washington, D.C.? Right. And I I don't know. And I think that that's something that's really concerning. It's concerning that if Donald Trump is actually in in charge, that's even more concerning than thinking about him. Somebody else just running through through the through the streets, like deciding what what is going to happen for our nation, and at this point, we've gotten to this place where internationally, people are pitying us. Have you seen like the headlines, like in in different countries and different places? Like China is dragging
1: us. China. <laughs>
0: Right now, the the US, United States, which is usually this space, you know, for better or for worse, usually for worse, this powerhouse, people internationally are pitying the state of the United States. So I want to know, like, what's good in Washington, D.C.?
1: So we can get to D.C. in a second, but I have two friends and they were arguing back and forth. So one of my friends, he's Canadian. Uh-huh. and He was arguing with another of my friends. Um,
0: Canada is not on the ban list.
1: Correct. He was arguing with my friend, whose name is Michael Jordan, Mike Jordan, not related to, you know, the basketball. Well, he was a basketball player, but not related to the one that played for the Bulls. Oh, Lord. So they were arguing, going back and forth. And Mike Jordan said something about Canada. And my friend Mark from Canada said, at least we don't have Trump. (laughs) <laughs> and like the entire conversation just stopped.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's not What else can you say?
1: And Mike Jordan was like, you know what? Point taken. <laughs> <laughs> Point taken. But speaking of DC, we had some interesting news from the house yesterday.
0: Yeah, I mean,. It was super surprising. Uh, for those of you who haven't been able to check in or clock in, D.C. statehood was approved by the House yesterday in a 232 to 180 vote. It was very partisan. I, I think want- everybody in the House, I think all Democrats voted for D.C. statehood minus one guy from Minnesota. Interesting. And then all of the Republicans were against uh, D.C. statehood. I mean, D.C. residents pay federal taxes. And there's been a huge push lately to make them the 51st state of the United States of America.
1: Yeah. You know, I remember growing up and seeing those license plates that said taxation without representation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, its I don't think the district was designed to be residential initially.
0: No, it wasn't.
1: But we know that. If D.C. was a state, I think it would be. I think there are like four, five states that have a smaller population in D.C.
0: There are multiple. I think. I think. I think Wyoming. Yeah. Has uh, a smaller Vermont.
1: I'm sure Delaware. You know, they have more chickens than people there.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh no. <laughs> but D.C. has over 700,000 people living in the district. And they pay federal taxes, but they have the only non-voting member in the House, and they have zero senators. So while they pay federal taxes, while they have a member in the House who can vote in committee but cannot vote on the floor, they actually have no representation in how the United States operates on a federal level.
1: I Don't the other territories have a similar arrangement, though? Like, Puerto Rico, American Samoa.
0: I think so. I'm not sure if they have non-voting members in the House, though. I'll have to look into that. This is why we need a fact checker.
1: Yeah. So speaking of those territories, there is a difference between them. So in D.C., there was a decision and there was a a constitutional amendment in, I can't remember if it was 71 or 73. So D.C. has presidential electors. So they actually participate in the presidential process, election process. Those other territories, U.S. Virgin Islands, American Samoa, Guam, mm-hmm. and Puerto Rico, they can only participate in the presidential primary. They don't actually have They don't electors. have any electors. They don't.
0: Which is like, I mean, Nancy Pelosi said the other day, right? Like, these people, they pay taxes, they fight in our war, they risk their lives for our democracy, and they have no vote in the House or the Senate about whether we go to war, how those taxes are exacted, right? Like how we decide who our national leader is for our, our, our country. And so in particular, as it relates to D.C., why, you know, this vote is so historic. Like this is the first vote on D.C. statehood in almost 30 years, right? I think the last one was like 93 or something like that. And so it's, it's, a, it's a controversial thing for for multiple reasons, right? So one of the biggest arguments is that the founders never intended for D.C. to be a state. That was intentional. Right. It was supposed to be a district that was distinct from the rest of the states for the purpose of because back then also when you have got the, George, found,
1: the founders also didn't anticipate me being a human.
0: Oh, no. Founders aren't always right. I'm just telling you the argument.
1: <laughs> I just want to throw that out there
0: the the thing about it is when this was when DC was initially constructed, right? When they got land from Maryland and Virginia to con- construct this district. It was for the purpose of saying that they did not want the the district where the national government was held or to be influenced by state politics, right? And people keep saying that like, oh, Washington DC will have undue influence about how things are operated, but when you really think about it, it like the state, the ways that states were constructed and the level of powers they had, they were far more powerful when you had Washington, D.C. initially established. They do not have the same type of power that they do now.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even that argument about proximity, I think, is flawed now because, simply because there's no such thing as I'm just going to catch my horse and buggy like <laughs> to D.C., right? Like everyone can get to D.C., in a short amount of time, at this point, oh yeah, you know it is no. It's gonna take me ten months to travel cross country to get to DC. Like I can catch a flight.
0: Oh, absolutely. And so, like we have to, we have to update for the ways that things happen now. Right. But you also have people. So it's also very partisan, because why do Republicans specifically not want D.C. itself to be a state? Because
1: because it's it's detrimental to their call. Oh,
0: absolutely. That's 700000 people who will now have representation that is normally largely Democratic. It's a majority minority popular. You know, it was called Chocolate City for the longest time for a reason. Um and so like I don't like, think
1: it's Chocolate City anymore. It though. ain't
0: Chocolate. I said for a for a long time, not currently. <laughs> but you then you got like Tom Cotton, for the senator from Arkansas, who's, you know, throwing again, not the dog whistles, but do you like to call them dog howls? Woo! <laughs> who was you know who made the argument like would you trust mayor, mayor Bowser to keep Washington safe if she were given the powers of a governor would you trust Marion Barry Marion Barry has not been the mayor of DC in this century this man is dead why are we invoking him
1: well well actually <laughs> oh my gosh i mean mayor Barry was still like even though he he was not the mayor he was the uh he was on council in d c mm. and he's he was still like the most powerful person right, but and but, revered
0: but he hasn't been in control this century
1: I mean, but you know why he brought up
0: because parents. he's racist,
1: but you know why I do know why, but at the same tell, time tell the listeners why
0: because Marion Barry was a black man. Who was very powerful in Washington D.C. in the
1: seventies? He started
0: yes, and he was elected. Uh, The big deal was that he got caught on tape. What was it, selling or using cocaine? And I, I think with women, I don't know what they're. I think they're sex workers. It
1: was a sting operation, and when they came in, he was caught as saying this and set me up,
0: (laughs) and. Then he was reelected afterwards,
1: multiple times.
0: Yeah, multiple times. So people, the tape came out; it was supposed to destroy his career, and the people voted for him multiple times afterwards. And so, what? Tom, I think
1: he was indicted, actually. Like, yeah,
0: Tom Cotton is saying, like, if if we allow D.C. to become, you know, a state, then black men like Mary and Barry are going to be running. And, like, will be given the powers of the governor and be very close to, you know, ruining the nation. Which, like, give me a break, dog.
1: I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Marion Barry is referred to as the people's mayor. Like, and I have some friends in D.C. who literally cried when he passed.
0: Mm. I'm not saying but, he was perfect.
1: Yeah, I mean, he had his flaws. But from a governance standpoint, people said, hey, like, some of the programs that he put into place in the district were unprecedented at the time and, like, the impact that that had on them and their economic mobility. So, like, when we look at programs, like, through, through, like, federal government grants that will, you know, in the 70s they had, like, these teen employment programs. Mary and Barry, like, took that to another level. And so when we look at unpaid internships and, like, how detrimental those are to black and brown folks Mm -hmm. around the country Mm – he, he created these internships, and, and kids had an opportunity to be paid, and so they had experience to enter the workforce right. and to get these government jobs when they graduate They didn't even have to go to college, right? Tom
0: Cotton says he doesn't care about that. <laughs> Tom Cotton says don't let this black man who hasn't even been in charge this decade be, be the type of person that, that runs— Washington, D.C. And I think that my argument for D.C. statehood its this is a major effort to enfranchise voters in a city that's boasted a majority minority population for decades. The legislation would create the state of Washington Douglas Commonwealth, which would be named after Frederick Douglass, who made the district his home. So, like, it they have populations larger than Wyoming and Vermont, and they have no say. It's just... Make a mistake, y'all. The Senate's gonna, the Senate's gonna shoot it down. We know it's partisan. Trump already said if the legislation comes to his desk, he's vetoing it.
1: You know, like I was in in September of 2016, I was in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. and this conversation came up quite a bit, mm-hmm. and I found it interesting. But Puerto Rico, like the majority of people that I spoke to, they weren't in favor of statehood. And we should actually, ask
0: Ruby on.
1: Actually, Ruby and I had a conversation on Twitter oh, yeah? about it. Like, But they kept saying, like, we don't want Donald Trump to be your president. Like, do what you have to do. We can't participate. And I was like, wouldn't it be cool if y'all could participate? And they said, no, we aren't interested.
0: Interesting. Yeah, Ruby, you listen to us. Also, Ruby be shouting us out. So we, we might have to, you know, dial in a caller <laughs> so we could talk about Puerto Rican statehood.
1: Ruby, send us a voice memo.
0: You know, right? tell, it, tell, tell the people what they need to know. Yeah. But I think that there's I I think that this is all really important because we kind of took it from like a very international level, right, down to what's happening in the district right above Virginia, right? And solutions because we're solution oriented. It's kind of hard to think of like this is exactly what you do next because these are major, major, major things, right? But we also have to always be considering not just what's happening in our hometowns, but what's happening in the world and how we are like playing a part in that. Black feminist epistemologies, epistemologists like Audre Lorde, Barbara and Beverly Smith, Demita Frazier, they've dictated that we should always have an eye to quote the word that they use, um, the third world, right? So it's not just... The uprisings that are happening in our backyard, but that, you know, we need to be learning about the black uprisings that are happening right now in Tunisia, and Brazil, the UK, and New Zealand, um, and making sure that this is not, we don't, we don't get too small in what we're, we're looking to, right? We can't solve the problems of the world, but we can have an eye towards the world.
1: Yeah, and also uh, 2.5 million people in the United States have tested positive for coronavirus and as of this morning, we we're close to 125,000 deaths.
0: Yeah, which is just wild.
1: And you know, like, what, we had two days this week where at least 40,000 people tested positive. <sighs> um, So stay vigilant. Mm-hmm. Stay distant. Wear your mask. Wash your hands often.
0: With antibacterial soap, y'all. Don't be just running your fingers up underneath the water. <laughs> 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 I mean, people don't, be, people don't know how to wash their hands. I promise.
1: Say your ABCs while you're washing your hands. Ah,
0: that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Help each other, you know, other people where you can. And just be cognizant of the fact that every decision that we make affects other people. On the small scale, from your neighbor to internationally.
1: You know what I'm saying? Indeed, indeed.
0: Um, and then D.C. statehood.
1: Call your senators.
0: Tell them, tell them to vote in favor. Indeed. Disenfranchisement isn't a joke. All right, Coop. Did we eat today?
1: You know. This this show was a little bit different, but
0: Yeah, it was. I uh, liked it though. You
1: know, I felt like it was super informative. But yeah, I, I think it I think we ate today.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Normally we do kind of like one big topic, but we we kinda like, you know, we started broad, brought it down small. If there's things that you all want us to talk about, let us know at Ain't No Free Lunch on Twitter. Ain't No Free Lunch at at gmail.com. And we'll we'll try to keep it rolling. Thanks so much to WRIR 97.3 FM for allowing us to use the studio. For airing our show, you can check us out on Tuesday mornings at 10 (laughs) a.m. We live for real, y'all. We live. (laughs) Thanks for listening.